From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And welcome back to The Conspiracy Show. I'm Don Jeffries, your guest host. You may know me from my books, Hidden History, an Exposé of Modern Crimes, Conspiracies and Cover-Ups in American Politics, and Survival of the Richest, How the Corruption in the Marketplace and the Disparity of Wealth Created the Greatest Conspiracy of All. Richard will be back, by the way, next week uh, with a great show. He'll have Linda Moulton Howe from EarthFiles.com and James Abbott, the author of The Outsider's Guide to UFOs. So be sure to listen to that same time, same channel next week. We are talking with Jim DiEugenio, longtime JFK researcher who, uh, who knows this stuff like nobody else today. And uh, we've been talking quite a bit about uh, foreign policy, about Hollywood and so forth. Uh, let's switch a little bit uh, gears, and I want to talk some more about the... Well, can, uh, I, can I just finish my thought? Oh, about sure, the- sure, sure. Go ahead, Jim. Sure, go. Okay. I said Kissinger is the heavyweight champion of 20th century genocides. He was instrumental in three of them. The first one is the one that doesn't get very much attention. It was the one in East Pakistan, Bangladesh, in which Nixon and Kissinger ignored and then actually aided the attempt by the West Pakistan country to kill, I think it's 300,000 people. In Bangladesh. The, the other one, of course, we know about is Cambodia, where Nixon and Kissinger's bombing campaign uh, destabilized Sihanouk, all right, and allowed for the eventual rise of Pol Pot, and that was about two million people perished in that one. And then, of course, the one in East Timor, where he gave the green light to Suharto to go ahead and invade. Uh, East Timor, and I think that's about another 300,000 people. So here you have the Clintons vacationing (laughs) in the Bahamas with a guy who's got so much blood on his hands, I wouldn't even be in the same room with him. Okay? But here's the, the, the titular head of the Democratic Party, and this is how far I believe the Democratic Party has fallen. And they wonder why we why why we believe in conspiracies. It's you can't. It's yeah. inescapable <laughs> to think where the, these people are supposed to be enemies. Aren't aren't the Clintons as ostensible liberal Democrats supposed right. to hate Henry Kissinger? I mean, Bill Clinton was a big uh, anti-war guy, right, during the Vietnam days. Bill Clinton campaigned for George McGovern. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> so what what the heck happened to this guy? You know. I mean, <laughs> Exactly. Or again, was he ever legitimate? I see. That's why people that uh, people like myself. I mean, I write about so many of these things, and you go down these rabbit holes, and you find out that uh, things are are never as they seem. And and you talk so much about, and and you and I are in the same. We're both, I I think, uh, as the as the people on some of these Kennedy forums would say, we're we're apparently both members of the Kennedy fan club or the Kennedy cult or whatever you want to call us. But I mean, we're just. I'm just looking at it, you know, honestly, and and. There's no question. In my book, Hidden History, I, I had all the quotes from people on the left who just are Malcolm X to William Kunstler to any Eugene McCarthy. I mean, these are icons of the left, and they all hated the Kennedys. The hatred comes through. It's so obvious. You can't escape it. And Noam Chomsky today, your favorite and yeah. mine, I mean, just it's so obvious that, that he has a hostility to this guy where he – Well, well, well uh, wait a minute. I, I don't know if you read what I've written about this guy. But what nobody yeah. knows is that Noam Chomsky did a 180-degree turn on this issue. You know that, don't you? Yes, 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 yes. 
Yeah, okay, you're aware. You want, you want me to talk well, about yeah, that? Yeah, but yeah, descri- yeah, describe the audience exactly. Let them know. Okay, okay. Way back in the mid-60s, there was an early researcher on the JFK case named Ray Marcus. Right. All right? right. And Ray Marcus did a lot of work on the Zapruder film. The Bastard and, Bullet. Was it the Bastard Bullet he yes, wrote? And CE-399, yeah. which, of yeah. course, is the magic bullet. All right? And so... He migrated between the East Coast and West Coast because he had a business partnership on the East Coast. So he decided to visit some uh, prominent intellectuals in the Massachusetts area to try and get them interested in the JFK assassination. All right, remember, we're talking about the mid-60s around, around this time. And so right. one of the guys he visited was Noam Chomsky. And Chomsky originally gave him an hour. And so Ray came into his office and he had, he told me he only had about like four different exhibits. Okay. And so he went through them one by one. He said Chomsky was so enthralled by this stuff that he got his secretary on the phone and said, clear my agenda for the rest of the afternoon. Reschedule the appointments. Yeah. And Ray said he ended up spending four hours there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How can you talk about four exhibits for four hours? But they did. Okay. And this is how interested Chomsky was. Yeah. You know, how enthralled he was. And yeah. then what happened is he visited a couple of other people who knew Chomsky. They were interested also. And then Chomsky said he would get back to him about becoming a part of this movement. But he said he had a very odd discussion when one of Chomsky's cohorts drove him to the airport. And he remembered it as being something like, you know, if they can do that to the President of the United States, you know, what, what, what chance have? And you know, and I've, I've, you know, me and you have heard that a million times, right? Okay, right. so you know, <laughs> and so, but but we we just don't care, you know, because it's simply the yeah. right thing to do, you know. Yeah. And so what exactly. Ray said when he got that message from one of Chomsky's colleagues, he said, you know, a little bit of an antenna went up in his head, and he goes, Chomsky's going to chicken out of this thing, you know. And so he waited for Chomsky to call him as he said he was going to do, you know, but he never did. And so he said he got a letter from him later saying that, you know, I think I'm going to devote my energies to this Vietnam thing instead. You know, not being able to relate what happened with Vietnam to Kennedy's assassination. Okay. And, of course, now there's no doubt from, from a career point of view that it's much more advantageous at that time to get involved in the anti-war movement than it was in the Kennedy thing. Because if you remember, of course, the media was going after the Kennedy critics at that time. Right. You know, all right. But yet the anti-war movement was mushrooming, you know. And so, see, that's, and by the way, but even in 1975, now we're talking 10 years later, even in 1975, Chomsky signed a petition 
to constitute the House Select Committee on Assassinations. All right. All right? So, in other words, what Chomsky doesn't like to admit is that he's done a 180 on this thing. And he's never had to explain it because nobody's ever called him on it. Well, so many right. people have. You you and I have both talked about that. We, we, I call them neocons, a different kind of neo-believers in conspiracy. And also the people who have been converts. Uh, Gary Mack was probably the most famous one. Gary Mack wrote right. some great stuff for Penn Jones' Continuing Inquiry. He was about as right. pro-conspiracy as you can be. And he, he became this kind of neocon guy where he would, he would email me and say he still believed there's a conspiracy. But everything he ever said on all those awful television shows on the Discovery Channel and so forth – was to promote the Oswald did it alone thing. There's so many guys like that, and I always ask whether it's Chomsky or anybody else, what are they seeing? If you believed in conspiracy, you and I know. If you, if you study this stuff for uh, I, I don't know, really a week maybe. I mean, if you if you actually get immerse yourself in the 26 volumes to any degree, or just read some of the the critical works that were done early on, the accessories after the fact or something, where they did the work for you. They went through the volumes and they showed you what the Warren Commission. The conclusion was, as opposed to what the hearings and exhibits evidence was that they sourced it to, and, and every time it was either contradicted, sometimes it had nothing to do with it, but anybody can right. see that the official case is impossible. So what, what are these people seeing that do a 180? What are they, what, what are they, I've never gotten an answer from them. I say, you know, what caused you, what, what have you seen to change your mind? You used to believe Oswald didn't do it. Why do you believe he did it? Yeah, well, see, but it wasn't, it's not just Gary Mack. If you also remember, it was also Dale Myers and Gus Russo. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Dale Myers yeah. was a conspiracy, and so was Gus Russo. Yeah. In in the 90s, up until when, uh, in the 80s and 90s, up until when Oliver Stone's movie came out. Dave then Reese's, they too. Did Dave, Dave Reese's. 180 did degree transformation. Dale Myers goes on the Peter Jennings special in 19, I think it was, no, no, was it 19, it was 2003. Yes. And you remember what he did there? With a computer He's, simulation. Oh, it's so impressive, yes. He said, it's not the single bullet theory. It's the single <laughs> yes. bullet fact. Exactly. Now, exactly. if that is not out of George Orwell, you know, I, yeah. I, you know, it's sort of like the famous, you know, this, the clocks were striking 13. Okay. <laughs> if you can say something like that on national television, then you've completely lost your self-respect. All right. I mean, that's just exactly. utterly and completely ridiculous. Yeah. Well, that, that leads us into it. Did. That's what they did. I believe that there was a large amount of career advancement in those decisions. You know? Oh, yeah. Well, there's no, and I, th I think there's no doubt about that, but it, you lead that, that kind of leads us into one of my favorite topics. And, and you've, you probably read my post on the, on the forums over the years. And, you know, I'm kind of the kumbaya guy that wants us all to come together. And, uh, there's so much friction in the, in the, uh, assassination research community. The people I talk to, it's it just, you have, you have these huge, uh, egos. These uh, difficult personalities sometimes, or everybody wants to have their little minutia be the, and they're they're disagreeing really over minutia. Where we all know there was a conspiracy, we all know Oswald didn't do it. If you studied this case at all, I would have. What is that old line? I think Penn Jones said the only way to believe the Warren report is not to have read it. You know, and that's and that's right. that's kind of the way it goes. And but what what is? How do we ever come? Because it, one thing you'll notice about the lone nutters is that they're always they don't fight. With each other, they don't. There's no discord there. They don't care. They're they're just hey. They're just drumming home that there was no conspiracy. Where we are fighting all the time. 
And I hear music again, unfortunately, I've raised this. So we'll, we'll be back in a few minutes, and hopefully we can pick up on that, and we'll talk about some other things. We'll be right back. Follow the truth. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. We are back. Okay, Jim, go ahead and make your... I, sorry, you were interrupted by the break. You want to but you were point? talking about there. The second part of this book, The JFK Assassination, The Evidence Today, that's what I tried to do. I tried to get back to the original evidence. Okay, and I tried to trace it back, because we know so much more about this stuff now, because of the declassified files due to the JFK Act of 1992. We've got two million pages of declassified FBI, Secret Service, and CIA files, and State Department files. So I w what I try to do in the book is I try to take back these evidentiary issues, which were not really clear in the Warren Commission volumes, you know, because of these declassified files. Now we can find out more about these things. So, like, for example, one of the things I did was Ruby's polygraph test, you know, because the other side, you know, if you remember, would always say, but Ruby passed his polygraph test, so therefore he was telling the truth. Well, now we know that that's a bunch of baloney, that the, the, the polygraph test was rigged by the FBI to the point that they actually turned down the what's called the GSR machine, the galvanic skin response, so as not to detect um, evidence of deception. All right, and so and I did this with several other things about also about the way that Ruby got in to the basement of the Dallas Police Department. I'm very proud of that section of the book. I did about five pages on that, you know, for to polish off Oswald. And so see, the way the the way I looked at this is that. You had to get back to where did this evidence begin? You know, what's the trail? Because, as you know very well, in almost every instance in the JFK case, sooner or later, what is called the chain of possession breaks. Absolutely. Okay? And then not only do you have a chain of possession problem, but you have what's called in legal circles an identification problem. Very few people know, but I'm sure you do, that the so-called rifle that the Warren Commission placed in evidence as being the rifle used to kill Kennedy that day is not the rifle that they say Oswald actually ordered. You know that, right? Right, right exactly. Yeah, okay, it's a, because the rifle that is in evidence today is a 40.2-inch, what they call a short rifle. Okay, right. all right. That's not what Oswald ordered. Oswald ordered a 36-inch Manneker Carcano, which is technically called a carbine. And right. if you can believe it, nobody during the whole almost year that the Warren Commission was in session ever brought this... Well, wait a second. Uh, that ain't the rifle he ordered. So how did he get it? What would a high profile, you know? what would a real defense attorney done? I mean, it, what would have, I mean, I, Walt Brown had a book called The People versus Lee Harvey Oswald. Uh, you probably read it back in the 90s, but where it was kind of a fictionalized version of what would have happened if Oswald had gone to trial. Now, that's assuming an honest courtroom, which are hard, honest courtrooms have always been hard to find in America, and they're really hard to find <laughs> now. In a case but, like this, but, 
you know. But, but, but assuming that's true, the chain of possession problems you talk about alone, the Manilka Carcano, legally speaking, doesn't exist because the, the right. officers that uh, found it, Boone and Weitzman, signed sworn affidavits for German Mauser. So regardless right. of what that meant, any defense attorney would say, Your Honor, I'm sorry, uh, there, there's, there's no, uh, where there's no chain of possession. Where did this man liquor carcano come from, regardless of what size it was? Same thing with mm-hmm. the, uh, the shells and, and so much of the evidence, the, the evidence in the right, tipped case. Right. So, so that, that's, they wouldn't even have any evidence in Oswald, but I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. Yeah, see, that, that what, you, what you're talking about is, is what they call a 402, in California, it's called the 402 evidentiary hearing. Okay, in which it, the, the prosecution is trying to put something on. In, into evidence, and you object on the chain of possession or the identification issue. You know, like, wait a you know, because another example is if you're going to introduce a photograph into, and this, people don't understand this, if you're going to in- introduce an illustration or a photograph into evidence, you have to have the guy there who took the picture or drew it, okay, and he has to certify that that is what he he shot or drew. Well, in for example, in, with the problems with Kennedy's brain, the, the <laughs> pictures are in the National Archives. They depict an almost intact brain. Right. Okay. And when the Assassination Records Review Board got the photographer uh, Stringer to under deposition, Jeremy Gunn, the chief counsel, put the pictures. You know, up on, you know, a, uh, a light board. And he asked them straight on. He says, uh, did you take those photographs? And, and Don, if you were a screenwriter, you could not have written this scene any better. Okay. <laughs> Stringer just sat there and he looked puzzled and he stood up and he walked over to the, to the light board and he started reading and he said, that's, I never use that kind of film. That's Ansco. <laughs> okay? And he said, then he looked and he said, and the process, because of the number you see at the bottom, that's called press pack. I never used the press pack technique when I was taking autopsy photographs. And so Gunn asked him again, and he said, well, in light of that, did you take these photographs? And he said, no. So, of course, if you had a real investigation, which we've never had in a JFK case, the next question is, who did take the pictures and why? Well, Jim, you know? where, 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 were the, where was the great Catherine Graham, as played by Meryl Streep, so magnificently? <laughs> where, where, were the, where were these journalists? I mean, these are stories. I mean, why didn't they talk about, uh, I talked about in Hidden History, uh, the, the flight of uh, 399. Not only was it a magic bullet, but the way it, it, you know, it came back to Washington, D.C., in the pocket of Secret Service agent Richard Johnson. That just doesn't seem appropriate. It was, it went through who knows how many hands. There was no chain of possession. Even, even as ridiculous a piece of evidence as it is, there's right. no, the chain of possession makes no sense. Uh, we're later told that wasn't the bullet anyhow. It wasn't identified. Tomlinson said he couldn't sleep at night. He was being pressured by our own inspector. These are the kind of things. Where was one investigative journalist, one Lois Lane type out there? Why didn't they go after this? I mean, you talk about if Watergate was a big story with Deep Throat and so forth, 
this should have been the story of the century. And I, I've talked before about how I, I, I was became politically aware during Watergate as a teenager, and I wanted to be a journalist. I wanted to be like Woodward and Bernstein. And I thought once I started finding out about the Kennedy assassination, what a big cover up that was. I said, well, I just got to let Dan Rather and these local people know these, these journalists. They're going to jump all over this. I mean, look what they did with Watergate and crickets. And that's the problem we have, and, and you've written a lot about that, obviously, is the, the failure, the absolute failure of any investigative journalism on the Kennedy assassination or really any other important uh, bit of politics right. in this right. country. Right. Well, but what about Ben Bradley? Ben Bradley was yeah. supposed to be his friend. Yeah. Some friend he turned out to be. Yeah. <laughs> With friends like that, all his friends. I mean, who is out of all of Kennedy's? Uh, there's, there's not one guy that I can think of. Uh, all you know, his political alleged political allies. None of them came mm-hmm. out demanding a new investigation. All right. the critics were people like retired chicken farmers and uh, World Health Organization uh, right. Uh, right. workers. These were the people that did the work that investigative journalists never did. Yeah. Well, G- Garrison actually said that. You know, when when he was catching all this Hades stuff, you know, for yeah. investigating the case, he actually said, you know, sitting on his porch one night, and he goes, didn't this guy have any friends? You know? <laughs> okay. yeah. Well, his family, too. I, I like to con- contrast. Uh, well, the, well the, that, that's the, a different matter, because, you know, I, I, don't like, I don't like to criticize them, because that family has been so put upon. And oh my God, it's it's terrible well, they, what's happened. To well, them. they have. I you mean, what, but the, the but the uh, you know most people postulate the reason the Kennedys haven't spoken out is because they obviously fear for their safety. But I, I've pointed out if that's their strategy, it's not working because they continue to die unnaturally all the time. And, and contrast that to the the Martin Luther King family. Or Dexter King, yes. especially, and, and Coretta right. Scott King, they were real profiles in courage. And I, I hate to criticize the Kennedys too. Again, I'm, I'm a diehard member of the Kennedy Cult Club, like you are, apparently. But but, uh, but still, the, the difference was that they had people in the family who were still in politics at that time, whereas the Kings really didn't. You know, at that time, you know, they they, they really. I think only one of their kids, you know, actually ran for Congress. But I will say this that this is about to change because I can tell you that Robert Kennedy Jr. has a book coming out pretty soon in which uh, he's going to actually discuss this issue for the first time. Any right. member of the Kennedy family has ever done so. Right, right, exactly. And that's, and that's great. And I, I wrote a lot about John F. Kennedy Jr. And I, I, you know, John F. Kennedy Jr. behind the scenes. I mean, I heard from insiders in his group that he, he had a quest to find out who killed his, his dad. I, I, you know, reporter Wayne Madsen told me that he had a, a meeting scheduled with JFK Jr. at George Magazine the week of his death. He was going to meet with him and his, he was going to be assigned at George Magazine to investigate the assassination of President Kennedy. So, Plane crash happened at a very fortuitous time for the people that uh, that had knocked off his brothers. But but at any rate, we're we're kind of getting off track there. But uh, but you and I are definitely in one accord with the way the media has treated this subject. And I point out over and over again that there wouldn't be a need for uh, books like ours. And uh, obviously, the early critical works were out there. People don't realize what these these guys went through. Harold Weisberg typed up these. His wife typed up those manuscripts by hand. 
and he sold them because he he got yes, his first book. Yes. But he, I mean, he had to self-publish, and these were just incredible works. The filing Freedom of Information Act suits over and over again. Um, these were really courageous individuals, and they had to do it because the the New York Times, the Washington Post, despite what Hollywood says, you know, in their movie, they weren't doing this kind of, especially in the Kennedy assassination. I I can't think of anybody outside of Jim Mars and Earl Goals in Texas that did any kind of work outside of the band of critics. Uh, do you know of anyone? Uh, there was a guy in New York named Peter Kiss who was a friend of Mark Lane's. And they, the New York Times, if you can believe it, was actually on the verge of launching an investigation into the JFK case. They had, by late 1966, and this is one of the declassified documents, they had begun to lose faith in the Warren Report. And Peter Kiss, who I understand was a pretty good investigative reporter, was actually going to go ahead and begin reinvestigating the assassination. And it didn't happen. And I can, from my experience with these things, I can tell you what happened. Because once the word got out that they were going to do that, I'd be willing to wager that either John McCloy or Alan Dulles got on the phone and told, uh, you know, the management, uh, please don't do this, okay? And that was it for Peter Kiss and his reinvestigation of the JFK case. Well, we, we, can, we can certainly look at the way the, the media treated Jim Garrison. I mean, just absolutely disgracefully. The way they, yes. in unison, he had no sympathetic coverage. They just, they went after him like uh, attack dogs. And the, Oliver Stone right. encountered the exact same thing in 91. Uh, this, again, and don't, and universe. Don't Richard Sprague. Yes, yes, of don't course. Don't forget Richard Sprague also. Okay. Yeah, the original. Now, I mean, what, I, I was working for Mark Lane's group as a teenage volunteer, the Citizens Committee of Inquiry then, and we were trying to lobby Congress, and we were so happy when the, when they reopened it, and we had heard good things about Richard Sprague, and he was intending to take that investigation the right way, and then it was just unbelievable. That's what really opened my eyes as a, as a teenager to see how the press just jumped all over it. And this in Washington, D.C., where they waste money like it's going out of style, especially the Washington Post, Going crazy talking about how much money the the investigation was costing. And saying they care about how taxpayers' money is being spent, and just right, attacking right. him and and getting Gonzalez to infight and so forth. But um, right, yeah, it it, it was uh, just just an amazing time. But um, you want to talk a little bit more about? Am I are we missing anything else that that's it, that's in the oh, new? Well, I, I, we didn't mention my website. If there's uh, interested people, uh, oh, I have a King. website called kennedysandking.com, okay, in which you'll see a combination of film reviews, book reviews, research articles on the four great assassinations of the 60s, both Kennedys, King, and Malcolm X, okay, in addition to the book. All right, so that's that's something that interested parties should take a look at. Well, I, well I'm, I'm, glad, I'm, 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 very, I'm very glad. proud of that website because I, I really do think that it's it's probably the best research site on the JFK case that there is. Oh, you get lots of traffic there, and it's sort of, it's become a big thing. But I, I, it's funny you mention that because I had gotten a couple when people heard I was going to be a co-host, a guest hosting tonight. I got a couple emails from people, and again, in our in our 
very large community. And they asked, they actually brought up the Ken, asked me to ask you about that because as you, as you know how all of us get, I've been attacked a lot here and I know you've been attacked a lot. Um, there are those within this, this community of ours, this fractured community that think that, uh, you use, you're, you're using this website as some kind of a gatekeeper or something. You're familiar with that. I'm sure you've been accused of that. You want to address that at all? Like, well, that, that you're, that, that, wait, that you, wait, wait a minute. Just because I think certain ways about well, they, certain they, things, well, I think they, that doesn't yeah. mean I'm a gatekeeper. Well, they, that I was mean, the term I, that I will look at feel. anybody's submission, right. you know, and I, I, you know, and the writers that I have that want to contribute to me, you know, on a regular basis, which I welcome, you know, I've, I've never ever changed anything, you know, in any serious way in any paper that they've written for me and you can ask them you know so, so the you're only not, you're thing not I looking ever make the... are, are, are typical grammatical or syntactical things or if somebody has gone ridiculously over long okay on something you know then I'll ask them well do you really need this section I mean nobody's going to want to read a 40 page article so if Noam Chomsky <laughs> submits an article you'd, you'd consider it <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I will look at anything anybody submits. Okay, well, I just All had right? to ask you that. We, we, I'm hearing the music again. We're coming back. I just I wanted to ask that because a couple of people asked me to. We'll, we'll be right back after uh, these messages. This is no place for the naive or the faint-hearted. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And we are back with Jim DiEugenio, our special guest. Jim, I, I, I was, I mentioned earlier the article, the posthumous assassination of, uh, John F. Kennedy, which I, I was, uh, had a deep, really big influence on in my thinking. And I was especially taken with the way you examined the, uh, the truth behind Judith Campbell Exter and her, and her uh, allegations, which I, in my mind, I believe that, uh, her allegations kind of combined with this, these alleged ties to the mafia and so forth that uh, began to be alleged, I guess, in the mid-70s. Uh, again, right around that time that we, we were trying to get a, a reinvestigation of the Kennedy assassination had a huge impact on the way the public began to look at John F. Kennedy and the Kennedys in general. And they began to look at them negatively as these reckless, sex-crazed guys who really didn't have any morals. And so their, their lives weren't that great. So really, really, they got what they deserved or however you look at that. You want to discuss, and I, I was really taken as why the same media, the same reporters that wouldn't listen to any of pe people like me that were trying to lobby back then as a kid, they wouldn't have any interest at all in so-called conspiracy theories about the assassination itself, yet they swallowed these tales of Judith Campbell Exner, hook, line, and sinker, the exact same media outlets, published them, and uh, basically gave them a great deal of credibility. Do you want to comment on that? Okay, yeah. Uh, that, that essay um, I wrote for Probe Magazine back in the, uh, I think, the uh, 1997 or something, and I have to say that was one of the most popular and most influential pieces that we ever published. That even that got attention from some big, uh, like the New York Review of Books, uh, Christian Center. You know, the, people were like really kind of, you know, surprised at this thing because nobody had ever done this exploration. You know, of uh, of, of the whole extra thing, Mary Meyer thing, and the uh, Marilyn Monroe thing. And so I decided to do this, okay, because I, I said, well, you know, is this stuff really true? I mean, is, 
is is People Magazine a, a, a good source for this? All right, and so I examined the extra thing at length and in depth, and I went ahead and I decided that there was something really wrong with this picture, okay? And that what happened was that this woman surfaced during the time of the church committee when they were examining the crimes of the CIA, and the church committee had decided that Eisenhower had ordered the assassination of Lumumba. And that got a lot of the Republicans angry, okay, because uh, Ike was a storied hero of the GOP party. And so they decided to hit back by making Frank Church mention this name of Judith Campbell in the church committee volumes. So this made her a kind of major media star, because the New York Times ate this story up, of course. You know, they had hired a guy named, uh, I think it was uh, one of uh, Nixon's former speechwriters, and, you know, and he started drilling this story, you know, every week for about a month. And so she wrote a book, okay, not one trace in that book of any communication between the Chicago outfit and JFK. Well, we thought we had saw the end of Judith Exner, right? Well, that wasn't even the beginning of the end. Okay. <laughs> At almost <laughs> no, no. every anniversary of Kennedy's assassination, you know, at least uh, at least twice, okay, she wrote two more extensions of her story. One was for People yes. magazine, okay, and then she wrote another one. I think it was it might have been in Vanity Fair or something. And so I began to compare the stories. And there were I just could not believe that anybody could accept all the contradictions, you know, all the reversals. And sometimes she just outright lied. Okay? All right? And, you know, and then she her reason for writing the the story in, in the, the one in People magazine, I'm she said I'm I'm on my deathbed and I have to rid my soul of the truth about me and JFK. And then, of course, five years later, she's still alive and she writes another story. Okay? And now she adds to it even more. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right? See, the, 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 the whole aim, I believe, was to somehow reverse the image of Bobby Kennedy and yes. John F. Kennedy being militant foes of the mafia. That's what yep. they were trying to do. Okay, because, of course, Exner, since she was friendly with Giancana, okay, and Giancana was one of the guys that Bobby Kennedy was making life a living hell for, you know, to the point that the guy eventually got out of America and went to Mexico, all right? And so they were using this to tarnish that image. You know, of course, there was never any evidence for anything that the woman said about carrying messages. And in fact, they caught another one of the guys who she named as being a messenger in the ARB, uh, deposed him, and he denied the story. Okay? (laughs) 
So how? So anybody could fall for this woman, and and, I, and again, again, I, I I have to say, why did this have to be me? Why did I have to do this? You know, <laughs> no no professional journalist would do it. That's exactly why. Right, right. That's that's what's what the fourth estate has become in this country, and that's why yeah. we have shows like Richard Serrett's, you know, because we have to. Yes, and and again, it's, it's it's these are the same people. That's and that's what opened my eyes at such a young age. And I said, wait a minute, I've got, I've got this great evidence in my head. I mean, the, the single bullet theory, just that alone, and the magic bullet, the condition of it, the the uh, the holes in Kennedy's clothes, and and the moving wounds, and all, all these things that were that that cried out for investigation. And then you had you know kind of sensationalist things like the Babushka lady. The Umbrella Man, and these things that just made for a great story. And yet, there was no interest there, but they were all the interest in the world in Judith Campbell Exner. It's amazing. I'm hearing the music again. We're up against another break. We're going we're gonna to talk some more with Jim DiEugenio right after this. The magic bullet enters the president's back, headed downward at an angle of 17 degrees. It then moves upward in order to leave Kennedy's body from the front of his neck. Wound number two. Where it waits 1.6 seconds. Presumably in midair, where it turns right, then left, right, then left, and continues into Conley's body at the rear of his right armpit. Wound number three. The bullet then heads downward at an angle of 27 degrees, shattering Conley's fifth rib and exiting from the right side of his chest. Wound number four. The bullet then buries itself into Conley's left thigh. Wound number five. In which it later falls out and is found in almost pristine condition on a stretch in a corridor of Parkland Hospital. That's some bullet. That's some bullet. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. We are back with Jim DiEugenio talking about the JFK assassination. Jim, um... I, again, I, I've been stu- I've been studying and researching the Kennedy assassination myself since the mid '70s. I know you've been doing this a long time too. When we look at the, it, it's the state of uh, research today, the state of the community, uh, just as far as the general public, where are your thoughts on on what we can possibly do? We saw the 50th anniversary uh, came and went, and it was a very sad occasion. Uh, they they roped off Dealey Plaza. They didn't really allow much of a it was controlled, uh, kind of a controlled ceremony, and it was clearly everyone that was involved in that ceremony was a believer in the official fairy tale. Uh, very distressing for people who uh, had, had gone there to gather there every year for a long time, and they really were kind of um, left out, uh, which, again, was, a, I think, a message brought home to the people that no conspiracy theories will be allowed, as, as, as they call them. Where, where do we stand now? If you, if you could tell people, what, what are you telling people as well, far as... Well, I'm uh, really glad you brought up the 50th, because, in my opinion, what happened there was an utter and complete disgrace. All right? I don't want to go into a lot of it, but as you said, I don't know if you were in Dallas on the 50th. No, no I wasn't, but no. The, what, the, what the mayor and the police did, they, and I'm not kidding, they completely roped off Dealey Plaza. You couldn't get in. You, the only way you could get in is you had to submit an application, and the application went through the Department of Homeland Security. Now, do you think that they were going to let me into Dealey Plaza? Well, I didn't even bother submitting one. All right? And then they literally, they called in for overtime 200 Dallas police officers. At every entrance into Dealey Plaza, 
they put these. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with them. They're they're carpenter saw horses across yeah. the street, backed up yeah. by police cars, backed up by men on foot, armed yeah. policemen. And I'm not exaggerating at all because I was there. And then the last defense was cops on horseback. So if somebody broke yeah. through, they would <laughs> go ahead and run them down on horseback. They feared okay. something, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, and then, of course, we had nothing but propaganda on. We had the late Vincent Bugliosi, Chris Matthews, Tom Brokaw, etc. But I, I will say this. There is a reaction that's set into that. And I'm not at liberty to tell you the whole story right now, but there is a reaction coming in. Okay, in addition to this book by Robert Kennedy Jr., okay, there's a couple of things in the works that are really going to kind of make a lot of noise, all right? And I'm privileged to know about a couple of these projects because since I developed kind of a name in this field, you know, people doing these things, you know, call me up for advice and counsel, all right? So there is going to be a reaction to this. And, you know, so there is some hope out there, all right? Uh, and so... and. There's a lot of information in these new files, although some of them are still censored. So there's a lot of new information coming out in those files. And so there is, you know, a kind of other side to this thing, you know, which I think we have to look forward to. Because this information is going to get out there. It has an outlet now, at least two of them, maybe three. Well, I'm glad you told me about Robert Kennedy's book, because that, that's the reason why I was talking about the Kennedy family earlier, because it, it's going to take a member of the Kennedy family to get on Chris right. Matthews or, or uh, Rachel Maddow or uh, Sean Hannity or any of these things because right. we know how the left and the right there. Rachel Maddow is just as much a believer in the fairy tale as Sean Hannity is. I mean, there's the left and right completely well, agree that, on that's this. That's such a disgrace, you yeah. know, that you have people that are supposedly Democrats and supposedly liberals. I mean, I mean, she went to Stanford. I mean, she went to Oxford. Okay, do you really think she's that stupid? I don't think so. No, no. You know, I think that once you get to a certain level inside the establishment, you know, they give you the they give you the uh, you know the, the speech. You know, you can do anything you want, but don't talk about the assassinations or the CIA and drugs. Well, I, yeah, okay. I, I, I think that that may happen, but I, I remember I, I was privileged to meet Harold Weisberg on a very memorable evening back in the early 80s and had dinner at his home. And, and he told me, and it still stuck with me all these years later, he said, you know, they, they didn't have to, they didn't have to tell the media to cover up. They just did it instinctively. And I, that's the way I look at it is that they're, they're trained. They just, they hear this word conspiracy theories and they just know not to go there. There is something in there about the media psyche, about don't go to a conspiracy theory. But, you know, the, the point is, this is not a conspiracy theory. This, it's a fact. John F. Kennedy was killed by a conspiracy. Okay, any examination of the evidence, it's just a matter of, of who did it and what the reasons were. But, but let me wrap it up by saying, you know, I, I spent some time on the media in this book. But there was a story that I couldn't get into the JFK assassination, the evidence today, because I came across it too late. Alec Baldwin is probably the biggest television star there is because of Donald Trump getting elected. 
wanted to do a special on the JFK case for the 50th anniversary. And on that time, I think he was in that show, what, 30 Rock or something? Yes, yes. With Tina Fey? Right. And he said, so I went in to pitch my idea about a combination biography and look at the assassination, a fair-minded look. And these guys told me, they said, Alec, we've kind of made our peace we made our settlement with the Warren Commission report. All right, so that's a, we're not going anywhere else with this. And he said that was that. That's what they told him. Yeah. You know? So this kind of stuff, it does exist. But I also agree with you. These people in who work in the media, you know, they know that to get along, you go along. So they don't even bother. Most of them. Alec Baldwin's kind of a maverick, so he would do something like that. You know, sure you know forget sure about you know Chris John, Matthews. John Barber has been, has been in the uh, entertainment business forever. He was Frank Sinatra's writer for a while, Lucille Ball's writer. He's having a hard time getting his uh, his film, the, the assassination of J, the JFK, uh, and the media uh, filmed anywhere. I mean, he, he's trying to get attention for that, and, and he has lots of these contacts. And yes, even even yes. with that, it would be the same kind of thing as Alec Baldwin now, who is huge name, big celebrity. Right, right. But they still can't break through that wall there about this subject. See, that, that's why I've always said, I think the American media is probably the worst media of all the westernized countries. It has the worst problems with censorship of anybody. And that's it's really sad. But yeah. that's I think that's the truth myself. Well, I, I think the, the, a lot of people have commented. I believe it was Lou Rockwell that, that, that told me that uh, you know the difference between Taz or Pravda at the height of the Soviet Union and our media now is that the, the Soviet citizens back then understood that their media was state-controlled, and they knew they were lying to them. Right. A lot of our citizens don't seem to be aware of that and don't seem to realize they're being lied to. They actually think we have a free and independent press. Right. Right, and, and and we don't not not even close. No, and it's 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 and, and we see it in this subject here because you're you're talking about as you mentioned this is a if we had a real uh, even a two party system I mean we not a lot of multi party system if we actually had opposition parties then uh, someone from Kennedy's party someone that supposedly agreed with them uh, alleged liberals would have been up in arms after the assassination and they they would have been demanding a new investigation right away, a real investigation. They would criticize the Warren Report. And they're just, the left especially was empty until you had, you know, independent civil libertarians like Mark Lane that stepped forward to Bertrand Russell. Right. Well, Mar Mark Lane was really about it. You know, he, that guy was the only guy who, for that whole year of 1964, you know, was saying, you know, there's something wrong with this. You know, and, and he traveled throughout the whole country, traveled to Europe. The FBI surveilled him, both in the United States and abroad. Yeah. You know? And we still have people trying. It, it's, that's why it's amazing. And, and that, that the press, what they would do, even back then, they would, they would be skeptical of the skeptics. We had the, Anthony Lewis and, you know, writing the, uh, the critics and scavengers right. in the Warren Report. And this, this is the way they were treated then. And it's kind of the way you see uh, maverick whistleblower types treated now, where the press just, instead of 
embracing them, examining what they're what the, what they're exposing, and that, is this valid? They don't. Instead, they just instantly go after them, and see it's, it's the attack the messenger thing. And any time, unfortunately, because this cover up has been going on for so long. When when you and I, people like us, talk about the Kennedy assassination, the, the reporters kind of roll their eyes. Oh, that mm. again? That story? Right. Have, hasn't that been? Right. <laughs> it hasn't. It's never been investigated, as you pointed out. There, there's never been a real investigation into the the murder of a sitting U.S. president. And that's that's just absolutely shameful when you sit there and consider that. And it's left for people like us to try to point it out and. Uh, and unfortunately, even though, as Richard Belzer once said, that 90% of the people believe there's conspiracy, but the rest of the people work for the uh, media and the government. Jim, it, it, it's gone by too fast. Uh, I really enjoyed talking to you. Uh, you want to quickly tell people how are they, where they can get your book? Yeah, you can get the JFK assassination, the evidence today, through Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, or at Skyhorse. Okay, Skyhorse Publishing. Okay. That's my publisher, too. Thanks so much for being with us, Jim. And, right. folks, uh, Richard Sear will be back with you next week at the same time. Thanks, okay, Good night. Good night.